0: Hey, good morning. Welcome to Mornings with Mac. Hope you've got a copy of God's Word. And uh, we're going to begin to look at Psalm 12 in the Psalms of Lament. Uh, but I had a notice. Uh, I got uh, somebody wrote me and said that they were taking bets on what color sweater I would wear uh, each morning. So um, I don't know uh, if you're part of that betting ring, but. Uh, Anyway, uh, tomorrow we will go to Psalm 44, so you can kind of do your homework on that. When we come to Psalm 12, we come, if you remember back uh, when we started the Psalms of Lament, I told you that there would be individual Psalms of Lament, and then there would be the the communal or community Psalms uh, of Lament. This begins those Psalms that are uh, considered the community. And as I read through this, uh, you can see how a community would pick this up uh, because this deals with lies, and they're talking about lies in leadership. Um, When a nation is led by an unrighteous man or by the wicked, the Bible says, the righteous suffer. And uh, this kind of gives you an insight into that about leadership that lies to the people and how devastating it is. Now, this is going to be personal to David, however, uh, because uh, David was the brunt of a lot of duplicity. When you stop and think about the life of David, now, if you're there in Psalm 12, you're going to see this. When you stop and think about his life, David oftentimes was the brunt of duplicity. Uh, He was... He was often caught up in the duplicity of other people. For example, uh, Saul. Uh, David went down to take food to his brothers. Saw the army of the Philistines, heard the taunts of Goliath. And he was the guy who went out and saved, really saved Saul's hide, saved the army of Israel, uh, slew the giant. Saul takes him. But he uses him. He doesn't appreciate him. He wants to take him and use him, and then he becomes insanely jealous of him, and starts to abuse him. So you you can see early on in David's life where this starts. Uh, You start there. Uh, David goes to save the people in the city of Keilah, uh, the city with two gates, and he saves them from the Philistines, but they send out a runner to Saul to say, uh, David is here. We've got him here. You can trap him in Keala. Now, why would they do that? David had served them. David had, you can almost say David had shepherded them. He had pastored them. He delivered them from the hand of his enemy and they turn on him. Uh, Not only that, the Ziphites on three different occasions, I was looking at this yesterday, the Ziphites, uh, sent word to Saul. This is where David is. You can catch him there. Uh, there was the whole thing of Nabal. Nabal had been protected. His herdsmen, his shepherds, his sheep had all been protected by David. And David sends uh, some of his men to ask Nabal and says, "Listen, could could you just give us a little bit of food?" And uh, of course, Nabal just you know uh, goes nuts because he is a nut. Um, There was Absalom. Uh, David had done so much for Absalom, his son. uh, The problem was he had never disciplined the boy. Uh, And of course, Absalom turns on him in rebellion. There is Ahithophel, uh, who was not only David's counselor, he was David's good friend. And he turns on David uh, and lies about David. So David is the brunt of all of this duplicity. Now, with that in mind, let me take you to Psalm 12, and let me tell you what is the one single thesis of this psalm. And that is, when you're surrounded by lies, you can believe the Word of God. Uh, Now, that's where you're going to find this psalm. That's the heart of what this psalm is saying. In life, there are times when it seems that you're surrounded by lies And you wonder, what can I believe? Well, you can believe this. You can believe the Word of God. So let me take you to the psalm. And uh, this is going to break out into three different parts, three divisions. The first is the first four verses. Uh, That's David's appeal. He's making an appeal to God. Then in verses 5 and 6, you have the second section. And then 7 and 8 form the third section And we'll get to those. So let's begin with David's appeal. And I want you to listen to the very first word, save. That is Yeshua. That's Joshua in the Old Testament, the proper noun. It is Jesus in the New Testament. It comes, that noun comes from this word, Yeshua, save. Save, O Lord. And this is a good place to look at this, You see, the capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, that gives you an indication of what name of God that is. That is the name that God gave to Moses back at the burning bush. It is the name Yahweh, and um, uh, it'll always be spelled that way. It's transliterated uh, into German, and then we brought it over into English as Jehovah. So, save, O Lord, from... For the godly one is gone. Uh, for the faithful have vanished from among the children of, of man. Now, we've all felt like that. We've all felt like there's not a godly God left in the whole lot. There, there's not, a, there's not a, a, a man of God left in our day. Uh, it's almost the way Elijah felt when Elijah went to the Lord and he said, God, I alone am left. And uh, God had to reassure him. No, I've I've got seven thousand that have not bowed the knee to uh, Baal. That's where David is right here. David feels like God. There's nobody left that tells the truth. There's nobody's left left that's honest. There's nobody uh, left that's godly. And so he feels isolated. He feels alone. He feels like he's been encircled now by these lies. This is his perception. This is David's perception. Uh, verse verses one through four is David's appeal. Now I'm breaking it down. In these first couple of verses here, this is his perception of his situation. He says, "I'm the only one." He says, "I'm the only one left that that cares about the truth." Maybe you feel that way. Now he comes and he's going to tell you about this circle of lies that are around him. Now, look at the number of ways he describes that these people are committed to the untruth, to lies. Everyone utters lies. Now, the word there in the Hebrew means empty. A lie is that which is empty. It's vacuous. Uh, it, it has no substance to it. A person who lies, I can promise you, they're empty in their soul. Uh, everyone utters lies to his neighbor. With flattering lips, um, the word flattering, and just let me do a couple of little word studies here to help you understand. The word flattering means smooth uh, in Hebrew. Hebrew is a very visual language. It means something that's smooth, something that's oily. That's why we, we use the expression, oh man, they're, just, they're slick, they're oily, uh, they're slippery. And everybody understands, well, that's what flattering speech is. It is just oily. It, uh, uh, it's something that you do to somebody in order to uh, achieve what you want. Uh, he says, with flattering lips, and look at this in verse 2, and a double heart. That's duplicity. Literally, in the Hebrew, it says a heart and a heart. Uh, it means, you know, he, he say, we would say it like this. He speaks out of this side of his mouth and then that side of his mouth. You, you can't trust him. He's duplicitous. It's deceptive. Now look at verse three. May the Lord cut off all flattering lips. There's flattery ag- again. Here comes, uh, yet the, the maybe I, this is the third thing that he says about it. Um, or, or fourth thing, tongue, the tongue that makes great boast. Now that's just, overinflated, uh, saying things that are bigger than life, we would say. Promising what you can't deliver. Those who say with our tongue, we will prevail. Now there's the threatening part of it. We're going to prevail. We're going to punish you. Uh, that's the whole purpose of these lies. If you don't do what we're telling you to do, uh, we're, these lies, if you don't believe these lies and follow these lies, we're going to threaten you. And then comes the final thing, which is just, it just drips with arrogance here. Our lips are with us. In other words, we own our speech. When you lie, you own your speech. I can tell you that. Who is master over us? Now, there's the arrogance. Uh, I own what I'm saying, and nobody is right but me. Nobody is above me. Um, who is master over me? In other words, nobody is going to control me. Nobody's going to correct me. Nobody's going to straighten me out. Now that's what David is surrounded by. He's surrounded by those who are doing this. Now look at David's plea in the midst of that. Back at the beginning of verse three, he says, may the Lord cut off all of this, now, to cut off meant this. It, all, it was a covenant concept, and it meant to cut them off from the covenant. Um, somebody who lied would be cut off from the covenant. He's saying, God, cut them off from being under your covenant. Well, that's David's appeal. Now, look at the second part of this, and here comes David's assurance, beginning in verse 5 and 6. It begins in verse 5 and includes verse 6. Now, the first part of this assurance is God speaking. Um, It's God's presence. God is giving the assurance, I'm about to do something. Verse 5 is interesting in this sense. This is the first time in the Davidic Psalms that God speaks. Now, if you go back to Psalm 2, God speaks there. Uh, you remember, however, the Davidic Psalms begin with Psalm 3. That was the first one we looked at. Uh, Psalm 1 is kind of a doxology. We're not told who wrote, who wrote that. Uh, we know ultimately the Holy Spirit is the author of all of this. Psalm 2 is... Um, we're, not, we're not sure who wrote that as well. We, we don't know. In it, God speaks. But the Davidic Psalms begin with Psalm 3. So this is the first times, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. So it's the first time now uh, in these Psalms, Davidic Psalms, that God speaks. Now listen to what he says. Because the poor are plundered, because the needy groan, I will now arise. These are the two I wills of God in this Psalm. I will arise, says God. You get the impression God is about to stand up off of that great throne. heavenly throne that is there. He's going to get up. He's going, which implies I'm about to take action. And here's the action. I will place him, that is David, in the safety for which he longs. Now that's one way to take that Psalm uh, or or that line right there. There's a lot of discussion about a couple of these uh, lines in this Psalm. Uh, I won't get into the all of that. But that's one way. Then I'm going to take David and I'm going to place him or I'm going to take you, the person who is being lied against. I'm going to take you and I'm going to put you in the safety that you are praying for. Now, let's just take it that way. I could go off a couple of different ways, but that seems like the best way to interpret uh what's being said the other way, just to give you a, a, an idea, is that I'm going to take the people that are lying uh, and I'm going to put them in a place. Um, now, this is the interesting part of this, for which he longs is a phrase that in the Hebrew means puffing, P-U-F-F-I-N-G, which implies I'm going to take them where you don't hear all of their hot air. That's one way to take it. Let's just go back and take it the way that uh, I've taken it here. And in the, in the ESV seems to take it this way. I will place him, whoever is being lied about. So if you're being lied about this morning, remember this. In prayer, God says, I'm going to rise and I will take you and I will put you in the safety that you are praying for. Now, look at the Guarantee. Now, David comes back, and this is what's being said of the words of God. The words of the Lord are pure words. They're like silver refined in the furnace on the ground, purified seven times. That is, they are perfect. Seven is a number in Scripture that always points to completion or perfection. Uh, And so right there, that's what he's saying. Now, I want to show you two verses that have always meant a great deal to me. And um, you'll find them if you've got your, your your Bible there. Psalm 119, 105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Now, I learned that Vacation Bible School, South Main Street Baptist Church, Greenwood, South Carolina, when I was five years old. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Um, and then my... Another great verse in Psalm 119, verse 130, the entrance of thy word gives light. I love that. Now, that's what he's going to say right here. He's going to say you can trust in the word of God. You can believe the word of God when everybody around you is telling lies. You can always trust the word of God. Look at what he says in verse 6. The words of the Lord are pure words, like silver refined in a furnace on the ground, purified seven times. They are perfect. Whenever you're in doubt, whenever you're in question, whenever you're in a quandary, you can depend totally on the Word of God, and it is thoroughly reliable. Never forget that. If you can't believe anything else, just go to the Word of God, which is where we ought to go First off, you can't trust in men, I can always trust God's word. Now let me give you the third thing, and the third thing is this, and this is David's assessment. Now watch it, what he says, because David's going to end this, what appears to be on a down note. Now all of these other Psalms, he, he, even though like the last one that we looked at, uh, I think it was Psalm 27, you remember there, he's up. But the second half of the psalm, he's down. But then you come at the end, he turns that back up in confidence. Well, here, it appears as if he just goes down again. But let me show you something about that. He comes and he says in verse 7, here's his confidence. This is David's assessment. I have confidence. You, O Lord, will keep them and will guard us from this generation forever. A generation conveyed the idea of of those who are of a circle, a group, a certain group. A generation is a certain group of people, and that's what he's saying right here. These people who are a generation of liars, he he is saying, you will keep us from them. I have the confidence that even though I'm encircled by a generation who is lying against me, that God's word, I can believe it. And that God is going to deliver me from it. God, listen, if somebody is lying against you, I promise you this, God will deliver you from them. God will deliver you from them. Uh, Let me give you the the last thing, and it's this. And he speaks a word of perseverance, and this this is just a word of reality for us in in this life. Let me read the verse. On every side the wicked prowl, prowl. As vileness is exalted among the children of man. Now that's kind of a down note, but what is he saying there? He's saying what my daddy used to tell me. My daddy would tell me this when I'd come in and I'd say, well, I don't understand why God hasn't done this. I don't understand why God hasn't done that. I don't know why God hasn't, you know, why, why hasn't God taken care of this or that or the other? You know, we want God to move immediately on our behalf in a situation. My dad used to say this, son, God doesn't settle his accounts at the end of every day. That's a profound statement right there. Uh, there There's a lot of theology in that. There's a lot of good word in that. God doesn't settle his accounts at the end of every day. You are going to live, let me tell you something, in an unfair world. You're going to live in an unjust world. Man is a sinner. That's what he says right here. On every side, the wicked prowl. You're going to have people who are sinners that are going to prowl around your life all your life. Uh, As vileness is exalted among the children of men, um, we just live in a sinful world. And the fact of the matter is, not everything is fair. Not everything is just. um, And we're not going to be free from the attacks of Satan. And we're not going to... uh, everything is not going to go our way. People are going to lie about you. Uh, People are going to be untrue about you. People are going to try to manipulate you and deceive you. People will hurt you. When that doesn't work, they'll come back to hurt you. But what you need to do is what Paul says when Paul is ending that second epistle to Timothy and he tells him, he says, Listen, I've fought the good fight. I've kept the faith. I've finished the course. Uh, You've got to fight the good fight. You've you got to understand um, that as long as you're in this world, uh, things are just not going to be the way you'd like them to be in life. But don't give up. Persevere. That's what we're told. He who perseveres to the end will be saved. Uh, but don't forget two things. That God is rising. God will get up and come to your rescue. And the other thing is this. You can always believe the word of God when you're surrounded by those who lie. Psalm 44 tomorrow. God bless.